2: This fall, Wisconsin Cheese is proudly hosting their first ever Art of Cheese Festival. Head to www.artofcheesefestival.com to snag your tickets and cheese the day.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. And this is our 366th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the owner and operator of a century-old New York City brand, and I'll introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Then later, we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, we're going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to celebrate lasting brands. Take time to acknowledge and commemorate longevity, whether it's something you have a direct connection with personally or a business you simply admire and respect. There's a lot to be said for brands that have an impressive track record and have proven their resilience and endurance by standing the test of time. So let's remember to applause those who have made it for the long game. It's worth cheering for. That's my tip today. Okay, now before I introduce my guests, I'm going to selfishly give myself a little shout out, which is something I don't think I ever do, um, at least at the kickoff of the show, but um, in going with my PR tip and looking at what's going to hit on Sunday, October 1st, it's the 20th anniversary of my PR company, Bayer Public Relations, which I founded in October 2003, and usually the month of October starts and, I, and then I post about it, um, just acknowledging it, but I figured it's a 20-year mark. And, um, that's amazing. I'm very proud. And, uh, I would say both a lot has changed over the past 20 years, but a lot is still exactly the same. And one thing that is exactly the same is my passion for the hospitality industry. And I still follow my company's motto of be seen, be heard, be known. And, um, it's a milestone that is part of this epic year I've been calling. So, Um, Happy 20 to Bayer PR and, um, yeah, to lasting brands. Okay, so I'm very excited of my guest joining me. It is Wilson Tang. He is the owner and operator of Namwa, the century-old New York City brand, and yes, that is five times the life of my business, who has overseen the brand's expansion of the last decade with outposts in Philadelphia, Nolita, Chelsea and Shenzhen. To celebrate the restaurant's centennial, he published his first cookbook, The Namwa Cookbook, Recipes and Stories from 100 Years at New York City's iconic dim sum restaurant. And that came out in October, 2020, and it celebrates his restaurant and the local businesses around it. So without further ado, hi, Wilson, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I. I am so thankful to be on your show. Um, I've heard a lot about you. Um, I can't believe you're celebrating a 20-year anniversary. So that's awesome. Congratulations to that. Um, and I'm looking forward to episode 366 as your guest.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I feel we've we've crossed paths over the years and I've obviously known namwa and been a, a a fan and someone who's enjoyed many great meals there and um and thank you for saying that i feel it was just when i was thinking of the this show and a theme for the show i was like well it's kind of fitting that i'm i'm hitting this milestone mark um but enough about me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about you. And let's go. I always start with um, my guests and their background. And uh, so do you want to take us back a little bit into how you got involved in the hospitality industry and also for people who might not be as familiar with Namwa as the brand, um, a little about the history?
3: Sure. Um, I, you know, native New Yorker, uh, really a downtown kid at heart. Uh, I graduated from Pace University uh, in 2000 uh, with economics and uh, business as my majors, uh, business economics as my major. Um, and, you know, throughout just uh, the early college years, um, you know, there was always hus- uh, jobs in hospitality that, that I, would, I would work at. Uh, random coffee shops, uh, you know, uh, wait, uh, food running, bussing tables, things of that nature. So I've always kind of been in tune with um, hospitality, and I think a lot of New Yorkers have as well. I think anyone who's coming to New York for the first time or or want to live the New York experience um, have at some point done some sort of hospitality or or, or, or food service. Um, but in traditional like immigrant uh, mindset and coming from an immigrant household, uh, college was of the utmost importance. Um, getting, um, you know, working and going to college and getting a uh, white collar job was was very important for my for my folks. Uh, and I ended up working in finance. Um, I was in uh, working at Morgan Stanley. Um Uh, right out of right out of school Um, I was working uh, at an insurance firm called ING Um, and then I kind of like fell back into hospitality when I was having a career a career change in my mind and I and I thought about um, just going back and and working at a cafe which I did for a little bit uh, around 2006 and 2007 and uh, very shortly after that, with the help of my father, we opened up a, a bakery a coffee shop in in, um, in Chinatown. and uh, fast forward a couple of more years, I had the opportunity to take over the uh, Namwa brand uh, that started in, uh, started in 1920 um, on Doyer Street. Uh, and I have been essentially uh, at the helm of of Namwa since t- 2010, uh, and it's about 13 years now for me, and we've grown that brand from one store in Chinatown, and we, we call that the OG store, um, to you know, a couple of different places in New York, uh, like you said, in Philadelphia, and, and some licensing deals in Shenzhen, China um so that's that's like the cliff notes version of it but you know hospitality is uh kind of runs in my in my dna um especially uh, i think anyone that's coming from immigrant parents would would understand as a chinese american uh, my folks came here not speaking a lick of english and they were almost forced to be working in low-paying uh restaurant jobs uh so you know i my dad was was uh in the restaurant business in some capacity his entire life. Uh he was a waiter when he first came and a, and a taxi driver and then slowly um owned his own uh kind of a cash and carry uh Chinatown restaurant supply uh uh wholesaler of sorts. So he is also really in tune with the Chinese restaurants uh, in in New York City, so I'm kind of following in my my father's footsteps and and my and my uncle Wally's footsteps.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. What, what I saw um, about the, uh, from the beginnings of Namwon from 1920, which is just hard to believe, is that it didn't really start out as much as a dim sum restaurant. It was more of a tea parlor and bakery. Is that when did the dim sum become more a part of the brand? or Because I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but now I feel that is more what it's known for or what you're known for.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, like if you took uh, dim sum as a category, um, it's, it's small bites. Um, you know, the, the word dim sum, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, listeners know means like a touch of heart. Uh, and it's got a long history from China from like this back in the Silk Roads when travelers would stop along the side of the road to grab a bite. So in my eyes, it's kind of like um, something more recognizable would be like tapas, tapas style dining. And uh, I think through the, the course of the decades for Namwa, it was, uh, you know, primarily like a hangout, like a community hub uh, that had uh Bakery items, coffee, tea, and some sort of dim sum items because they're just like tapas, tapas-like things where you can kind of just snack on and and whatnot. So it was always those kind of components: uh, bakery, uh, coffee, tea, uh, and dim sum. And um, there, there were you know in the '70s and '80s before um, the influx of products from China. Uh, my uncle Wally was making a lot of um, wholesale, like uh, red bean paste or uh, Lotus paste that are used for um, the bakery uh, business. So he was actually wholesaling um, a lot of these um, ingredients or or items that would be used for bakery. So he was partially wholesale, partially bakery himself and dim sum, tea, coffee uh, on the side. So it was like kind of a mixed bag. Um, and because my uncle owned the building, um, he kind of ran the business as he, as he wished, uh, you know, he opened some days, he didn't open some days, but it was primarily a community hub. All the, all the chefs in the neighborhood would come there to, um, you know, hang out or like grab a smoke and a, and a coffee before they go home. Um, and it wasn't until I took over where I had these ideas of all day dim sum. And where we can use the same menu for essentially breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And going towards a um, cartless model where you order sheets, uh, your, you order your, your, your items off of a menu and off of a sheet of paper, which in my in my eyes was like a um, great way to not have food waste. So it wasn't until I took over where we kind of changed it into a full all day dim sum. And I, and I take a lot of credit for very, like actually revolutionizing, like the way we dine uh, for dim sum, which, which historically and traditionally is like a breakfast and lunch, brunch kind of uh, dining. But, uh, we, we, we've kind of made it popular, um, all day long. Uh, and that leads to, um, you know, opening more, doing more. And we, we got into like the fast casual space, um, cause Because just rents were too expensive in New York. And I was trying to figure out how to transition from a a full sit down restaurant to um, a smaller uh, footprint uh, serving mainly like the hits or like a pared down menu uh, where we can afford the real estate and uh, grow that direction.
1: Yeah, well, congratulations! I mean, that's amazing, and it's also—I think you opened in Milida yeah. mm-hmm. in um, in in 2016, and that was the first of this fast casual type concept. Um, yeah, yeah,
3: yep. And you know, that was a lot of uh, growing pains trying to figure that out. But you know, I I I often go back to the word collaboration and how important that was for us. And sometimes like just meeting the right people can lead to bigger things. And I basically um, we got reacquainted with my uh, with a childhood friend, Z.U. Lai. And he was just watching the way I was uh, running the restaurant. And he uh, and I were really good friends and he wanted to take a stab at, 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 at this line of business as well. So him and I worked together to open uh, our first fast, fast casual uh, outpost uh, in the history of the brand um, in 2016, um, but also very serendipitously, we, uh, I, I met a young chef uh, by the name of Calvin Ng uh Who is now the uh, executive chef and owner of Bonnie's um in brooklyn uh th- which has gone awesome. all the yeah <laughs> awesome place has He's really awesome, yeah. yeah really kind of like took this chinese American Cantonese cuisine and elevated it even more so I'm very proud um of my work there uh opening up you know the first Namwa Outpost, as well as being able to work with um, like-minded individuals uh, in my organization to help grow the brand. So, you know, it was a lot of growing pains, of course, um, you know, figuring out what to put on the menu, figuring out like the different kitchen equipments. You know, we're not in a huge kind of Chinese kitchen anymore. We don't have like these elaborate steamers and like big walks and and uh, you know certain firepower that we need for um, Cantonese cooking or wok cooking. Uh, so there was a lot of growing pains there, but we we somehow managed to figure it out. And you know from from Nolita, you know we we made a, some mistakes. You know we we either grew too fast or didn't have the right people to collaborate with. But we continue to push that side of the business in the fast casual space. And we had spent some time in the market line um, in the Lower East Side, as well as Canal Street Market in um, in like the Chinatown, uh, Soho area. Uh, But we finally also landed um, at Pier 57 and it was a great collaboration between Google and uh, Jamestown as the real estate partner to open in that space. And uh, that place has been you know our first location, you know above 14th Street, which was also very exciting for us to to, to see a new neighborhood and demographic of people. Uh, so we we are continuing to learn in this process, uh, in this in, you know as we as we grow. Um, but you know I can't say enough about just the people in my organization. Um, you know, uh Barbara Leung, who who has really. Uh, t- took it on the operations along with uh, one of our chefs or, or two of our chefs, uh, Julie Cole and and Chef Carlos Barrera, who has really taken our uh, fast casual space and really grew it into um, what it is now. And and we've also grown into um, like a central kitchen. Uh, we have started using automation to make a lot of our products. Uh, so we have like a central kitchen with, um, you know, dumpling making machines now, and figuring out how to scale the business. And you know, you know, I want to I want to mention how like the the pandemic had like a had a sweet spot for us too, because while all the restaurants were down, you know, we tried to keep our 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 team employed by trying to sell frozen dumplings, and that. Really took off for us, and now we are kind of doing the frozen food business. Uh, we recently um, got USDA certification, so we are making our dumplings in a USDA-regulated um, facility. And you know, th- there, there's just no stopping now. Um, you know, we we plan on growing that side of business along with our partners at Goldbelly uh, to to ship frozen dumplings to all 50 states across the US, as well as working with our collaborating with our local partners with our frozen uh, dumpling program, uh, like places like um, the Meat Hook in Brooklyn that carries our frozen dumplings, uh, like Pearl River Mart in Chelsea Market that carries our dumplings. And you know there's there's a bunch more a bunch of a bunch of more locations that that do. So I'm I'm really proud of the work that we've done in the last ten years, growing from a century-year-old brand in a brick and mortar, like a full-service sit-down, to really be able to um, kind of adapt with the the landscape of the real estate in New York, and also, you know, through the pandemic, like I say, well, like I said, grow the business so that our product can be um, eaten uh, at home for our um, fans uh, that are not in uh, Manhattan or, or Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, no, that's incredible. You answered like my next five questions all right there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I did my homework. You know, you, you gave me like, yeah. you know, a, 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 a list. I prepped,
1: like, you, I prepped yeah, you well. <laughs>
3: you prepped me well, you know, I'm like, hey, you know what, I'm talking to someone in PR. I better, I better better uh, I, I better be like on point. But um, you know, I, I, I like to say that like Namwa is is, you know, like a like a work of love. And but really honestly for me, that's just one side of of all the things that I'm I'm doing right now. Um, you know, we me as an individual, I've kind of diversified um my uh holdings in like hospitality and food service. You know, I've I've tried to like make investments in other brands as well. Um, you know, I, I have, um, you know, kind of skin in the game or like, um, points in, uh, you know, a, a um, a beef noodle soup concept called Ho food in the East village. Uh, I worked on, I'm, I'm a partner in, uh, people's wine with the, uh, with, the. Um, Fabian and, and Jeremiah, Jeremiah Stone, yeah. So well, I, yes, I, I, I
1: went to I went to Contra last night. Oh, and,
3: did you? Yes. This is uh their, they're their final closing hurrah, or right?
1: changing the concept.
3: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: And I walked by your your spot in um in Olita, and I I took a picture outside. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, was, I mean I've been there before, but uh, right. and I would have gone in and eaten if I didn't have dinner plans. <laughs> but um,
3: well, we're um, always there. I so was you in know. your hood. Yeah. You know how to find us. But yeah, I, I've kind of like diversified in like helping other or like, or like investing in other food concepts, you know, like, uh, there are some beverage brands like Sanso sparkling water. I, I invest in, I invested in, uh, Boba guys, which is, a um, uh, like a beverage company yeah. that then makes like bubble tea, uh, in yeah, New York and California so i've I've kind of diversified. you know there's also like a a, a kombucha brand in in Tampa called Mother's Kombucha that I've kind of in, invested in as well. Um so you know it, it it's not just Namwa for me and and the growth that we have there. I'm also trying to give back and collaborate with other food entrepreneurs and food brands uh, that are that are that are out there right now. Yeah.
1: But that's—I mean—it's amazing what you've done, and that—and just touching on some things you said. I mean, going into the frozen dumplings and that—that market—and—and and I think that's smart and amazing. And I think I saw online that nationwide, that your your products are available through Goldbelly. Yes, it? yeah,
3: yeah. And and that was that was really like something that happened, you know, because of the pandemic. You know, we were trying to work in a way to keep people uh, employed but we needed to exhaust this product because none of the restaurants were open or they were open only in a limited capacity. So, you know, the team, my team got together and we, we got some bags printed and we just kind of bootstrapped this idea. Like we would make the dumplings, freeze them and like start marketing them. Um, And, and that was a really like a feel good story. Like we, we birthed this, um, New line of business um, out of the pandemic, and and we almost want to like switch, do like try to do more in that in that vein, and um, perhaps even more fast casual locations. Now that we're getting better um, at the, the logistics of things, you know, like I, I often find myself saying that I'm almost like Amazon. Um, my products are just dumplings, and I have to figure out how to get the dumplings from point A to point B.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll note, they're not just dumplings. They're like amazingly delicious dumplings. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank
3: you so much. I mean, they're we... so
1: good. And yeah. I've been, over the years, I have, I mean, I've been, I, I I mean, I remember when you opened Nolita and then, I mean, I've been down on Doyer Street and during the pandemic, I was one of those people that sat in the middle of that, in the street, which I learned in my research. Has been nicknamed the Bloody Angle, which I didn't yes. know that.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because
1: it's, I mean, it's, it's by, I get by, it's got an angle and it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's a very cool Chinatown, it's, you know, such an amazing neighborhood and it's a cool yeah. street down there. And so I've had Absolutely. my experiences dining in the street, dining indoors. And I recently went to the Market 57 and I, I got your eight piece dim sum set there. And that amazing. was awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very interesting. You know, like, I I often wish, like, hey, can we make ourselves as easy as McDonald's, you know, where every place is the same. But I think New York is like, very interesting. You know, like, some buildings have gas, some buildings don't have gas, some buildings, you know, if, if there's no gas, we have to, like, use equipment that's electric. So like, you know, our menu is really determined by like, how we can build out the space so if you look, if you go to Nolita, if you go to Nolita we have a more robust menu because the rest the restaurant is a little bigger uh, so we can steam more pan fry more fry more uh, in like pier 57 it's that space is almost um, half of what we have in Nolita or, or maybe even a third yeah. um, so like our menu needs to be a little more tight. Um, and it will, and we, we figure out what the hits are, like what, what is like, we go back to the analytics, like what sells the best for us. And we have just put the, yeah, we (laughs) put the hits at the, at Pure 57, which, you know, is a great space. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, it's on the West side and we get to work with so many other, um, food entrepreneurs and most of them are like, this is their first, uh, restaurant or first brick and mortar and, um, you know, we are taking the lead in that space as someone that has experience uh, and helping that place grow um, and, and try to get more people into um, visiting uh, that location.
1: Yeah, no, it was great. I got the the pan fried chive pork and shrimp dumplings with the edamame and Chinese chive dumplings. That was my though. Yeah. Awesome, um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can't go, I don't know, you can't go wrong. And it's like, it's, I mean, to me, it makes, it makes complete sense going into the fast, casual, uh, you know, market or doing that because I feel it just works, you know? And when I was there that, that time, I was just, I was like, I didn't have a lot of time. I was hungry and I just wanted like a quick, delicious fix. And it it just, that you know, perfect. Amazing. So that's so
3: that's that makes me so happy to hear.
1: Yeah, no, but the, well, it, it, I mean, it's true. It really was. I was like, you know, uh, this is this is exactly what I want right now. So, yeah. um, so let me let me bef- ask you, I had some questions for my last guest, which you've touched upon and we don't have to dive so into, but I, as tradition of my show, um, I need to ask you my questions. So, sure. Um, sure. So on episode uh, 365, I had on Adam Reese. He's the owner of Adam Reese Company, and he's a partner in Itani Ramen in Oakland, California, and he's also got crew in Brooklyn, um, and he is the board treasurer at Heritage Radio Network. So he would like to know, he's asked, how do you deal with taking a 100-year family legacy and probably breaking some rules in your ideas of how to grow it and expand it. Um, He also asked, he was recently at one of your non-locations and he noticed that you have such great branding, but um, he said your takeout bags weren't branded um, and he was just wondering about like the decision behind that uh, because, you know, it's interesting to see where, where people balance, um, how they're spending. Um, and then he lastly said p- in paying things forward, if there's anything he can do to assist you review documents or anything, he'd be happy.
3: to do so. <laughs> I, I will take that um, and put it in my back pocket, but, um, you know, the bags, As you yeah, the bags, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, one is, uh, we order these things in bulk like like a ton of it and we have it in a storage uh, facility and sometimes it's just like mis misordering like we didn't order the right amounts uh, for per at the store level and they run out um so like they they stop using it for a while um that's 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 mainly why sometimes um we end up using plastic or or uh, another reason is um, if it's raining or the weather's bad or we know it's like for delivery we yeah. often put a plastic bag over it just so that um, like the rain doesn't cause this uh, like the, the the paper bags to break or if it's like if we know it's traveling and it's, it's saucy we try to put it in a plastic so that, um, if, if uh, something kind of opened up inside, it, it it wouldn't be a complete disaster. So that that's the that uh, that's the bad part. Um, you know, as far as running this legacy brand, um, you know it has it, it had its a lot of its ups and downs. Um, you know, I, there, there was really good highs and there's some really low lows. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's it's really tr- trusting your your gut um, finding the right people to collaborate and work with. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I, I think my, like my parents' generation of like these like handshake agreements are, are, can no longer kind of exist. Um, I think in this day and age, as, as we do more and more, Um, I think we need to hold each other accountable or especially with your collaborators and your partners and make sure you have like legal involved and make sure, you know, you don't pour your your heart and soul into something to later on find out that like, Hey, paperwork wasn't done right. Or there was an argument or disagreement um, and it causes problems. So like I, I would say, because we are doing so much these days it's often a good idea to slow things down and make sure, you know, you dot your I's and cross your T's before you kind of jump into it. And I think it's in human nature to just want to jump in and like get started. But I I I really believe that um, you know, there's a there's a legal system for a reason, there's lawyers in this world for a reason, and to to always seek that advice out, especially if it's not your if you're not an expert in it, uh, but to really get the legal side of things um, like bundled up before you you proceed with anything.
1: Yeah, I hear you, and that's, yeah. uh, that's good advice, and and fits in with um, Adam's third uh, question or uh, offer right, there. Right, right. So yeah, there exactly. you go. If you need yeah. it, he's, um, I'm I, I believe he did not just say that to say it. I feel like if you yeah. Need need to consult with someone he's there for you so. right
3: but you know I, I i think we we you know the story went from like this legend the legendary namwa in chinatown to like you know opening all of these fast casuals and and smaller footprint locations to uh, you know fully integrating like our supply chain right like i i i produce my all my own stuff for all the locations and into like CPG, right? Consumer package uh, goods. Um, but you know, I don't want to like discount the, you know, the 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 allure of a of a restaurant, right? And like there's so much that goes on in a full service restaurant. I'm still in love with 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 that side of the business, um, with uh hospitality uh in general, you know, the the feelings I get from watching people being satisfied with food and drink and like their 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 conversations between diners is always um, magic for me. So you know, I I don't want to have your tell your audience like audience that like oh the the full service restaurant is dead. You know, I still think um, you know I, I have this love affair with 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 restaurants and and I think everyone in hospitality does. And I, I, I plan on doing more, um, in that, in that vein as well, in, in the, in the near future. Uh, you know, we, we've got some projects lined up. Uh, one is kind of like a, like a, like a offshoot of, of Namwa Tea Parlor in Nomad, uh, called Nomad Tea Parlor. Um, I've just been incredibly blessed to, to be able to work with different collaborators and, And we're opening up this uh, Nomad Tea Parlor in in Nomad uh, on Fifth Avenue uh, later this year. Uh, Construction. That's
1: exciting. I remember I saw something on that, and I think it's it's very cool.
3: Congratulations. So so that's in that's in the pipeline. You know, we're we're I'm I'm collaborating with other uh, two other restaurateurs, uh, and this would be our first project together. But the idea behind the the concept is, uh, you know, again. Small bites that are uh, in the vein of Chinese-American dining, like the stuff I do in Namwa, but more Americanized. uh, Stuff that I recognize and my business partners recognize, but also in a very beautiful uh, setting. Um, uh, Well-designed, it's got a great vibe, but also paired with tea cocktails and like a full beverage program, These are kind of things that I think um, is starting to happen um, in the um, just the Chinese uh, dining space uh, to incorporate um, a beverage program, which which often is is not included. You know, like if you go to most Chinese restaurants, it's usually just beer or wine. There's not there's not many places that actually have spirits. So I'm really um, looking forward to that um, to, oh, to, 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 to yeah. doing a, a bar program. Um, you know, who doesn't like, a, like a, a bar, a bar seat, you know, having some Chinese food. And I think we'll be, I you know, think. one of the first to to do that. So, uh, more on that coming up soon. Great. Um, but, I'm you know,
1: speaking,
3: speaking of bars, um, you know, I've had these friends in New York for so long, um, that, you know. They wanted to open a bar. And I met this guy, Evan Hawkins, who is native from Atlanta, uh, but has been living here in New York for 10 plus years. And um, he had this idea of opening a bar for like the longest time. And I feel so lucky to be able to collaborate with him and to join him on his uh, journey of opening his first cocktail bar uh, in the East Village uh, called Romeo's. Yeah, and um very cool. yeah excited. another yeah another partner in that project is reed who is the owner of uh virginia's in the east village yeah, uh, also yeah. very cool restaurant in the east village so i'm excited to be on that project um you know this uh that that should be opening at by the end of the year uh so we've got kind of a lot of moving parts and um yeah. just very excited and blessed, uh, to be able to share this with you and, and, and your, and your listeners. And, uh, yeah, Thank you.
1: it's, um, I look forward to checking all these out. It's a good reminder for me. I have to get down to Virginia's
3: Yes. And... Yeah, and their burger. Don't <laughs> um, forget their burger.
1: Yes. I, well, that's, <laughs> I was going to say their burger, but, uh, yes, I remember I had it many, many years ago and, um, I'm yeah. due to go back. So, um, Okay. Uh, So many exciting things. Thank you for sharing all that. And um, we're going to take a little break. Uh, So um, stay with us. We will come back. We'll play my speed round. We'll talk some industry news and my silly dining experience. And the final question. So stay with us. Uh, This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network.
2: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Cheese lovers, assemble. From September 29th through October 1st, Wisconsin Cheese is proudly hosting their first ever Art of Cheese Festival this fall in the home of cheese, Madison, Wisconsin. Over the course of the festival, you can learn how to pair cheese like a pro. Art of Cheese is thrilled to offer classes on pairing cheese with wine from industry's leading sommeliers, cocktails from spirits experts, chocolate and coffee. Yes, coffee from a former cheesemonger. At Art of Cheese, you can level up your artisanal cheesemaking knowledge with a curds-on deep dive amongst the cream of the crop and celebrate all things cheese by dancing the night away as the bell of the Wisconsin cheese ball. You won't want to miss out on this pastured paradise. Run, don't walk to www.artofcheesefestival.com to snag your tickets and cheese the day.
1: Welcome back to all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Wilson Tang. He's the owner and operator of Namwa, the century-old New York City brand, and he also has a lot going on, as you've heard in this show, a lot of new projects, which is uh, very exciting. It's things to look forward to this year. If you're not in New York City, you should come visit soon. <laughs> yeah. um, and and you're 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 elsewhere too. So um, yeah. Okay, so it's time for my speed round. Um, what this is is I'm going to name a couple of things, and you get to pick your preference, such as okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant.
3: Eat in at home.
1: Indoor dining or al fresco dining. Al fresco. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne.
3: Ooh! Can I pick more than one? <laughs> there are no rules okay i i think I think I'm a uh, champagne to start then to a cocktail champagne to a cocktail yeah
1: okay, okay, cool. How about tasting menu or a la carte
3: ooh um I think the tasting menu is kind of like on its way out um i'm i, I, I i'm I'm gonna say a la carte.
1: Yeah, I think during the pandemic especially, people started leaning in more towards a la carte, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It might, I think there's always, like, fine dining. There'll always be a place for that. For a
3: tasting menu, yeah, and fine dining, totally. Um,
1: I hear you. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> How about um, small plates or large plates?
3: Oh, I'm a sharing kind of guy, so large plates.
1: Communal table or chef's counter?
3: communal table
1: tipping or all-inclusive charge tipping steamed or fried dumplings
3: always fried dumplings
1: always fried dumplings okay you heard it here yeah
3: how about
1: soup dumplings or back to those steam those, or fried dumplings
3: <laughs> oh i mean so soup, I have to say soup dumplings because that in itself is like a magical thing to have soup inside a dumpling. And I can go on and on about like how to make it, the, the history of it. But I think the soup dumpling uh, originally, of course, um, from the Shanghai region of China. But I think that one item unanimously has, 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 ultimately taken over every uh regional cuisine like will have a soup dumpling now because of its popularity especially in america
1: yeah i wish i had if we had another hour in the show i'd take you up on that on the whole history and how you make soup lump dumplings oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and then and then i was at a restaurant um more recently in in um in midtown um in and they um they had on the table uh instructions of how to eat the soup dumplings so people yes. know, so you don't burn your
3: tongue. <laughs> yeah. Or, or have it squirt out and it's all over your shirt. Or Yeah. yeah. Squirt into your
1: eye or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, cool. All delicious.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, have, I, I do have to say, I do have to say on that note, I remember, um, you know, a lot of people doing like the how to videos or like how to um, eat the proper way to eat soup dumplings. And I I just thought about um listening to Eddie Huang talk about the best way to eat a soup dumpling was to put the dumpling in a sauna of the vinegar. And you you basically bathe the dumpling in like the spoon of vinegar before you put it in your mouth. That way it cools it down a little bit, but like the you you still get the vinegar taste to it. And I thought that was the most cool way to explain. Uh, Almost like a sauce uh, sauna uh, to to um, to before you consume it, like you put it in the sauna of vinegar and and ginger ginger slices. Isn't
1: that too much vinegar? That's oh well, you just
3: kind of like dip it a little bit, and then you you bite the tip off. You know, you bite the tip, and then you kind of like like scoop some of that in, and then you just once the once the the temperature has been brought down with the vinegar. Now then you then you put it in your mouth without burning yourself.
1: Oh, you're putting the vinegar. You're okay. You're biting it, and yeah. then you're putting it in. I thought I, I, I missed that at the beginning. I thought maybe you're just like drenching it in oh, no, vinegar.
3: No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was a, um, the best the best way to do it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now 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 I'm okay. I'm just getting all these cravings. I need to get a burger. <laughs> I need to go get soup dumplings.
3: Yes. Okay. That's what we're here for, right?
1: That's what we're exactly. here Exactly.
3: For get your taste buds going.
1: Exactly. Okay. Um did I ask you cheese plate or dessert? No. Cheese plate no, or dessert?
3: Um okay. I I would do dessert over a cheese plate.
1: Okay. And the last one is Manhattan or Brooklyn.
3: Ooh, I am a Manhattanite. Gotta stick with Manhattan.
1: All right. There's the game.
3: Yeah, you heard it first.
1: Heard it first, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Like two years from now, you'll announce your your opening in Brooklyn. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I, prediction. I don't it. Prediction. Yeah,
3: yeah, you're you're manifesting.
1: <laughs> well, um, great. That's the game. Um, so for industry news, uh, I just picked an article that was in the New York Times uh, today, and it came. Uh, it's t- entitled. The 25 best restaurants in Los Angeles right now are current favorites in one of the greatest food cities in the world. And this is by Tijal Reo, who's the critic at large for the New York Times food section, and she lives in Los Angeles. And I figured I, you know, last week I talked about the whole restaurant list they put together for 2023. Um. Uh, covering the United States. And then I tend to talk a lot about, you know, New York restaurants on the show. So I figured, well, why don't we talk a little bit about Los Angeles?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Great city.
1: So um, it's a great list. I mean, it's, you know, I think lists lists are lists. You're not going to get, you're not going to be able to name every restaurant that I is amazing in one city, at least, I don't think. But there were a lot of great ones on this list, and a lot I've been to. Um, uh, Ana Jacques Tai was on it. I recently went to Antico Nuevo. I've been to Favelle, uh, Birdie G's, and then there were, there were, and Found Oyster. And then there were some, obviously, I haven't been to yet that I, had on my list to want to check out. Like, um, I'd heard something about this restaurant, Yes, Um mm-hmm. And Yang bang if I'm saying that right. Um, uh-huh. So it's 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 a great list. I think it's a good you know congratulations everyone on it. And um, do you? I don't know how often you get out to Los Angeles. Do you have any? Do you have any take on Los Angeles restaurants?
3: Yeah, I I mean I I, I love Los Angeles. I, I don't get out as as often as I would like. Um, but we we did do a trip. Um, with Resi last year um so i i, I think i was in town for a little bit um and you know for two nights i think but i, I think um you know this this one is like a oldie but goodie but uh Justa continues to be um like the top of the list for me as far as um yeah like a california restaurant with the um you know with all the breads and sandwiches and uh, the, the the dining section outside, like the very communal dining outside. Uh, that continues to be my my all-time favorite. Uh, and I I do go there at least once every time I'm in LA. Um, I
1: do too, I yeah. have to say. It's it's always a must for me. And it's not, you know, it's in the it's in the Venice area. It's over that. It's not like you gotta you gotta it's like a destination unless you're staying on on the, the west part over there so yeah. but it's always worth it so I agree
3: yeah I haven't been um, this year um, I was in San Diego earlier in the year when the kids were on spring break break but you know I was saying um, I haven't read that that latest list that came out but I'm sure to go do it and and make some notes on it and uh, get ready for my next trip. Uh, What maybe later this year or at the beginning of next year.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, I'm going to be I was in L.A. earlier this year uh, because, well, it was exciting. I won this award for uh, my show. I got the best host award at the Taste Awards.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's so cool.
1: It was really cool. So I went out to LA to go to the awards gala and I got to eat my way through the city as much as I could, which is always what I try to do when I travel. Um, And that was when I, I, that trip, I went to Anajak tie which was which was awesome um and then but i'm going to be back actually at the end of october because i'm doing something with my chef wise book at the la chef conference that just came out i'm going to be signing copies of my book and so i'm going to have a little time there to explore um so i look forward to checking out some of the places on this list and and going back to places yeah that i've that Uh, I've been to that I love and just new places it's always LA is really a strong restaurant scene and there's a lot of awesome options
3: yeah I can't agree with you more
1: so um cool so that's the article check it out it's and congratulations again to everyone on it and uh always you know uh Good good to, for people to, I think, when I'm, you know, as travel guides for people who are not as familiar as cities, like it's a good reference. So um, there you go. Okay, so it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week I'm going once again back to Ann Arbor because I just had to share about Zingerman's Deli, which in fitting, again, back to my theme of this show with my PR tip is, Zingerman's is now over 40 years old, so it's another like brand that's just been around for a long time and has had legs. And um, as people have listened to the show, maybe last week or before, before when I interviewed the CEO and co-founding partner, Ari Weinsweig, saying that right, in mm. episode 364, um, Zingerman's is in Ann Arbor, which is my school, University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where um, I'm a proud alum, and I went back recently for a game and to do the interview, and this is when I went to the deli. So um, I'm going to share more details now. So um, the location is 422 Detroit Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The concept is sandwiches and full-flavored, traditionally-made food since 1982, They said the owner is Ari Weinsweig. Why'd I go? Well, it's an institution. I love the food. And um, you just had to, if you're in the area, you kind of just have to go. Um, So my experience, so after my... I did my interview with with Ari in the morning. We were actually in the area he calls the south side, uh, where his office, uh, the Zing train office is. And he's got Zingerman's, his coffee shop, and the treat shop, and the bake shop. And um, I was over there. And after my interview, um, Amy Emberling, who's one of the original bakers and a current partner, and she was my guest on episode 337, she was super kind um, to give me a tour of the bake and I got to see the production. She sent me away with some amazing treats like their stock, which was delicious and a, a cheese and cherry Danish. And I had all these like little snacks and it was so great to meet her because we had did, done our show remotely. So um so I started there with some treats, and then I got in my car and I drove over to the deli, which is about ten minutes away on the other side of, I guess, campus, like across town in Ann Arbor, um, where it's been since it opened. And when I went to school there in the in the early nineties, when you when you got there, there was always a line, and you you had to wait, and uh, it was just kind of part of the tradition and and uh, the place to be, um, and always popular. And when I showed up up on this like rainy Friday afternoon it was still as popular but the of course there's like new systems now so there was a a sign at the door saying it was going to take about an hour to get your food hmm. but going to the back and you order I ordered at a a little um uh self computer yeah. you know what I'm talking about <laughs> self kiosk. yeah a little kiosk yeah because yeah, I feel I mean and actually just to segue for a sec like at your location i remember when you opened in Nolita you had that as well
3: yeah yeah we still and use still that still have the ordering yeah. is there yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah, yeah we okay, have okay. we have both i mean like if you You're are both. like a regular you know what you want you come in we have two terminals you kind of you kind of just put your order in and you swipe your card but we also have a terminal um where you can talk to someone too if you need like if you have questions or um you know you wanted to pay with cash or like you want to just talk to someone uh we have we have both which which actually works really well for us you know there's definitely customer engagement but like if you don't want to talk to anyone you just want to order your food sit down eat, and leave we have that option available too
1: yeah and this was similar too because in the back area they probably i don't know they had like six or seven of these but there was there was someone there um helping and i did have a question for him and he he was helping us like guide like how to order through hmm. it but if you knew what you were doing you obviously didn't have to talk to anyone yeah. you just placed your order and then you got a ticket you know your number and they texted you when your order was ready which is how it worked and yeah. they it was actually quicker than I don't know. My it took about forty-five minutes for my order to come, and during the time, I went across the street and I did some work, and I, 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 you know, it went by pretty fast. So, right. Um,
3: well, that's the new is, norm. The the whole yeah. like the computer. You know, you got to use technology to your advantage, and and I'm a big fan of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, and it makes sense because like this is. A very, you know, this is a popular deli spot, and people, you know, and and there was also a whole area where you know people can just pop in and pick up their to go orders, right? Which, you know, the order in advance, which I think the students at the school are now doing yeah. a lot of, or or delivery too. But you can you can do that too. So. Um, so for me, I, when my order came, I then went upstairs, uh, Zingerman's has, they have a lot of space. They have an outdoor picnic area and it's a two floor building that has a lot of dining upstairs. And so, um, I, I started my meal there. I, I overordered, as I've been doing <laughs> a lot lately. And um, what did I get? So I couldn't decide. So I got two sandwiches. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you always take <laughs> so, one for later, you know.
1: Well, it was like, in, I mean, and they're similar but different. I got the Zingerman's Reuben with the corned beef. Swiss, Amental cheese, the brinery sauerkraut and its own Russian dressing on a hand sliced grilled Jewish rye bread from the bakehouse. Ooh. And then I also got the Georgia Reuben, which is basically the same, but it has all natural preservative free turkey breast and it has coleslaw instead of the sauerkraut. But it was like. They were both so good. It was just delicious. And I, and I had leftovers and they were very messy to eat. I made a mess. Um, (laughs) I mean, the corned beef was really outstanding. It's just, um, it's just such a good sandwich. It's just, the quality is so good and it's indulgent, but it's like.
3: Now, now, you know, you, you just gave me, gave me like the biggest craving for like a cat's sandwich, like a, cat's pastrami sandwich with a pickle right now and like i'm i'm like kind of salivating thinking about that
1: (laughs) well that's i would i would say well i'm gonna get to my tip and i'll share something but i would say in new york like yeah if i'm craving a corned beef like or that like a hearty sandwich yeah cat's is, is i would say the place to go to so yeah um, and Zingerman's is known for that. I mean, the menu—it's a giant menu. There's a lot of choices, and and actually, and with my meal, I also got a a Diet Dr. Brown's black cherry Ooh.
3: soda, which is—that's the best. I don't, yeah, I don't
1: drink I don't drink soda that much, but I think that's my favorite soda.
3: Yeah, when, when you're <laughs> eating a sandwich like that, you 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 got to do that, and you have to. You know, it you, just goes. you yeah, you just do it like. Per- periodically you know you have that combination like you you couldn't be able to do that like once a week maybe maybe once a month or once every two months but uh yeah. that's that's definitely a very comforting uh, meal uh whatever it uh, really have. was yeah.
1: it was it was wonderful i mean the ambiance as i said is upstairs it's very casual and then downstairs there's different counters and you can get i mean there's provisions are sold and there's bread i mean it's yeah. somebody commented, I posted a picture online and they said the outside, they're like, wow, that looks like a movie set. And I'm like, <laughs> <"Well>, it
3: does. <laughs> now, now I, now I got to bookmark that and, and make sure if I'm yeah. in that neck of the woods to so go check yeah. it
1: out. Yeah, yeah, you you need to. I'd say it's perfect for an indulgent casual deli meal by yourself, with friends, with family, with whoever. And the interesting tidbit is so Zingerman's is is popping up in New York City. Anyone here, you can have an opportunity. They're going to have seven sandwiches including the Reuben that I had and they're doing a pop-up on October 7th at the Ali Ali Market which is oh, on over the west
3: side, yeah.
1: On the west side, West 26. Yes. So, um it doesn't look like it's a one day pop-up and I don't think they're selling tickets. I think it's a, you know, get in line situation. So, um, if you're, it starts at noon on October 7th and Eater wrote about it, Eater New York, if you want yeah. more details. So, um, Zingerman's is coming here for a day and I missed Ari was here at the welcome conference last week, which was at, and he was a keynote and I heard him speak, but I didn't get to see, see him in person and say hi again, but he was a great keynote and I got his book. And so, um, Yeah, it was all my trip was great. And in the I'm going to personal fact, fun fact is um, an upcoming shows. I'll share more about that trip. I also stopped in Detroit. I ended up in Cleveland because in the middle I went to the Roots Conference in Ohio where I was a speaker. I was at the chef's garden. So that was like it was a it was like a whirlwind trip in in Ohio and Michigan. Yeah, Yeah, you're
3: keeping yourself busy.
1: Um, yeah, I'm yeah. keeping myself busy, say the least. I mean, I, I, I run around so much and then I, and then I try to keep it, put it all on social and I can't <laughs> keep up with myself. <laughs> so But um, it was so good to be back in Ann Arbor. I I popped into a place I used to work called Scorekeepers as a cocktail Uh. maker. And I just looked around and it was like nothing had changed in 30 years.
3: You see, it is true. Like every, everyone has had at least one experience in hospitality, right? Like it's, it's. If someone, everyone yeah. has done it. Yeah.
1: Oh, I've worked. I worked. I worked since I was like I could drive. Um, I I've had I had you know waiting tables, job, hostess job. I mean, I've I've been front of the house and back. So, but it's true. I I think, and I or actually I think everyone. I say everyone. I think should work in the hospitality industry or service industry at some point. Yeah. A taste of it, but
3: really uh, makes you tougher.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and appreciate appreciate yeah. how hard it is. So
3: yeah.
1: okay, so just to finish up on my Zingermans, the cost was forty-two dollars, not including taxi gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. Their website is zingerman'sdeli.com Instagram, zingermansdeli. That's that. It's time for the final question. So my next guest is Matt Kleigman. He is uh along with Carlos Querete, has opened and operated nearly a dozen food and beverage outlets, including the smile smile to go the Jane hotel ballroom and rooftop, uh, rush Myers in Montauk, um, all in New York city. And he's also partners with Noah Burnamoff, and they have black seed bagels together. Um, so I'm excited to talk to him. He's, he's has a lot of very successful, um, food and beverage concepts over the years. So, um, Uh, Wilson, can you ask a question for Matt?
3: Yeah, um, you know, those are some heavy hitters um, on that on that list of uh, food and and beverage places. Um, But I guess, yeah, I do. I have I, I mean, I have a bunch of questions, but I think I think one question that will put a smile on a lot of people's faces and will actually pique some people's interest is, um, especially with their black seed bagel uh, concept with Noah, we had did a collaboration with them a few years ago uh, that went viral. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it was called the bagel, and it was a marriage between a bagel and a roast pork butt. And oh,
1: I don't yeah. think I had that. No, I want it. Yeah.
3: Okay, so I'm I'm manifesting now. If if <laughs> Matt and Noah hears this or listening to your show, and maybe with the great graces of God that that uh, Diana comes back. Um, you know, I, I heard that Diana has uh, which who, whom was the head baker at Black Seed uh, is okay. now with uh, Hot Bread Kitchen, um, but maybe this could be something that I'm manifesting and we bring that Balgo back with, with Matt and Noah and Diana over at Black Seed. And, you know, I think, you know, we, we did it a couple of years ago. Um, We made the filling uh, and they baked the buns and uh, we, we had it for sale for a couple of days and, 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 and it was a big hit. So um, that would be my question for, for Matt. Um, Maybe, hey, can we, can we talk about, have your people call my people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I love the, con- I love yeah. how everyone, we're all connected and I will, I will find out, um, and stranger things has happened. I mean, yeah, that could yeah. happen.
3: I'm manifesting. And I would, <laughs> I would
1: feel like I would, it would be cool because then I could say I had a little part in it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We use your platform to make this happen. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Okay. I will find out, um, and that's the show, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on all you've achieved and i and I can't wait to come go back to the places you have check out the new places. I mean, you have a lot going on, so um you're keeping busy too yes,
3: yeah, and thank you for your time i i you know I haven't done this in a while um you know i think post like we're all coming out of like post pandemic and um you know, there's still, you know, like COVID is still around. There's, you know, we still have, are hearing about people getting sick, but I really truly love um, the industry that, that we're in, uh, how we rally behind each other. And, you know, New York's back. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, I'm excited to go to new restaurants and try new things out, network, meet with people. So I'm, I'm really truly blessed uh, to be part of this uh, ecosystem Uh, And I will challenge myself to keep pushing and keep doing more.
1: Amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you for joining me. And I hope to see you in person soon, too. And yes,
3: please. We will
1: toast with some some dumplings.
3: Awesome. (laughs) Nice talking to you.
1: Same here. My guest today has been Wilson Tang. He's the owner and operator of Namwa, the century old New York City brand. And you could find out more. On his website, namwa.com. That's N O M W A H.com. You can follow him at Dim Sum NYC, at namwa, at Nam Nolita, and at pier57.nyc. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is On in The Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and OnTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Check out my new book, which is out wherever books are sold, and it's called Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leaving Chefs Around the World, and it's by fiden And if you happen to be in Philly on October 9th, which is Columbus Day weekend, um, I'm going to be there. I'm doing a happy hour event with the uh, cookbooks and convos uh, by Sisterly Love Collective, and we're doing it at El Mercury Restaurant. And um, I'll be signing uh, copies of my book, which are included if you get a ticket, which tickets are available on Open Table. Um, and I'll be reading from the book too. And we'll have drinks from Delola. De Lo- yeah, Delola, which is JLo's los brand um, of cocktails. Lynette Lin- Marrera is going to be there making drinks. So um, come see me and it should be fun. Uh, and um, that's it. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Wilson and his assistant, Barbara. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back with a new show next week. I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you as always for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.